because I must have made April mad because I said, hey, when can we do this? And she said, well, Tuesday 6 to 7 a.m. is open if that's the one you'd like. Um, so we're going to do it then. No, th- this is kind of a, a one that I've wanted to do for a while, and I've kind of been hesitant about it because this is sort of a deeper dive into what we believe and why we believe these things and what theology really is. And I realized that by saying 6, 6 a.m. on a Tuesday, half of you are like, that is not the group for me, and that's okay. Um, but we want you to be a part of it. For those of you that have kids, if you've got to drop off at school, uh, we will be done at 7 a.m. or maybe a little before on these days. But it is going to be kind of a deeper dive into, into questioning and pushing our faith and saying, wh- you know, why is it that we think the way that we do and how did that all, all come about? So if you are a new believer, this is probably not going to be the best group for you because we are going to push some boundaries in it. There will be a little bit of homework. By that, I mean you're going to have to go and read some stories and read some other things during the week just to help this uh, really be effective in your life. Um, But if you are interested in doing it, those cards are out there. April will tell you about that at the end as well. Today, we're closing out a series called Life's Too Short, and it's a little three-week series that I put together a little while ago. And uh, the first week, we talked, you know, about, we talked about jobs and and other things. Last week, we talked all about marriage, and uh, this week, we're going to talk about parenting. Now, part of the reason why we're doing this Life's Too Short um, little study is that we really only have a short amount of time that we're on this earth. I know that when you're young, it feels eternal, but I've heard people say over and over again that as you get older, that what you used to think were days and weeks turn into months and years, and life just flies by. And what we do with the time that we have, especially in maybe our workplace or our marriages or today in our families or even with parenting, um, it matters. It makes a difference. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I've sort of asked us to rate ourselves, like, are you, you know, are you, are you good at your job? Are you not, at, you know, all those kinds of things. One thing that I found to be consistently true when we talk about parenting, when you ask parents, how good a parent are you? Most parents say, I don't know. I feel like I'm not always a great parent. And that sort of seems to be the standard answer. All of us who are parents are people who struggle with our parenting. But you don't have to look far to know why parenting matters. We have a generation of children uh, that are not being parented well. Some people don't take parenting very seriously. Some do. We live at a time where there are more broken families. I see kids launching out at 18 years old that have never learned how to face criticism or how to have conflict or how to engage in healthy relationships because they've just, quite frankly, never been taught. What we learn is that parenting is a training ground for leadership. What I tell parents a lot is this. They're going to look at you to see how they should do it. If you, They're going to look at your marriage and say, that's what my marriage is supposed to be because it's all that they have. And if one of, the, one of the parents is always complaining or one of them's not or they're always yelling or they're upset or they're never together, whatever it might be, your kids are going to see that and say, I guess that's what marriage is supposed to look like. Or how you deal with conflict in your workplace or how you deal with conflict in your marriage or how you have relationships with friends. They are going to look at that and they're going to say, I think that is what I am supposed to do. And all of us, whether we like it or not, if you are a parent, you are a leader. Now, if I ask you in this room, okay, how many of you are the top of your field, you can't go any higher, Uh, some of you would raise your hand, some of you, how many of you are kind of on the rise, you're sort of in the middle, and there are some advancements you'll take over time, some of you would raise your hands, 
And others, I'd say, how many of you have no interest in being a leader? And there'll be some people say, I just want to blend into the shadows. I just want to go to work. I want to be told what to do, and I want to go home. I don't want any leadership responsibility whatsoever. Let me tell you, if you are a parent, that's not an option. I mean, it is. But it's going to show its fruits really, really clearly in the lives of your children and people around you. We have got to learn to be more comfortable with what it means for us to be leaders. Now, if you go online, you can see thousands, if not millions, of quotes about leadership. I picked out a few because I think that they are, they're valuable and maybe they, they teach us something. The first one says, the, leaders, the leader is the one who knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. You could say parent instead of leader. Knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. Uh, that is part of what leadership is. The next one I like a lot. Leadership is an action, not a position. The world tells us whatever letters you have before or after your name, that determines what kind of leader you are. But that's absolutely not true because leadership is less about title and it is more about the actions that we live into. The things that we do determine if we're a leader, not because of what it says on our office door. Uh, this one I really like, and I think this really applies if we're parents. True leaders don't create more followers, they create leaders. If you surround yourself with people that are weaker than you, over time, the leadership model will do this. You as parents, I'm sure, you want more for your kids than you have. Maybe not more money or more prestige or more titles or whatever, but you want your kids to go further in life than you did. I think pretty much a parent, if you're a parent that's like, no, I want my kids to be stunted and do less than I did, then may want to look into adoption or something else. I'm not quite sure what you want to do. But we ultimately should want people around us to do better than we did in our lives. And not always achievement-wise, but we want them to learn lessons that took us longer to learn. We want them to learn those at an earlier age. And when we do that, when we pour our lives out into the lives, especially of our kids and those around us, we are in the process of creating leaders. I like this next one. I feel like this is real pertinent to who we are as a church. The task of the leader is, is to get their people from where they are to where they have never been. That's why I love the name of our church. It's called Journey because it's kind of built into our DNA. Everybody starts somewhere, and what we're going to do is do our best to pick people up and move them to a place that they have never been before. I'm not going to lie to you. This last one I simply chose because I like the picture. I'm going to tell you that. And the reason why I like the picture is that this is exactly the kind of boat my dad and I used to sail uh, when I was growing up. And I was that guy uh, on the front hanging over on what they call the trapeze. And, uh, and I love it. The, the quote's pretty good, but the picture's amazing. Um, but it says, the pessimist, pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change, but the leader adjusts the sails. Uh, and if you have done any kind of sailing, you know that that is absolutely true. My all-time favorite quote about leadership is this. Leadership is not about ability. It's about responsibility. If you like Spider-Man, he says it a little differently. With great power comes great responsibility. It's the same thing. It's not Leadership is not just about ability. It is about responsibility. And then the second part of that quote, which I love even more than the first, it says, a leader has to make the tough calls, and you're not a true leader until you've learned it. One thing that I've learned in, in being in leadership for a time is an irrefutable truth that good leaders have lost. 
good leaders have lost. There's some people that go out into the world and the first time they face some kind of loss, they're out. They don't want anything to do with it anymore. But any leader worth their salt has faced, has faced loss. Which leads me to, to number two, good leaders are familiar with failure. You know what it means to fail because that means you're trying, you're experimenting, you're putting yourself out there, and it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to go back and go, wow, that was absolutely the wrong thing. We shouldn't have done that. Let's not do that again. Let's do something else. But as we experiment, as we put ourselves out there, we have to also be familiar with failure. If you ask any good leader, what have you done badly? They can list, oh, I did this, 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 this. I would do all these things differently. And maybe even as parents, we feel the same way. There are certain things that we would do differently. Number three is this. The greatest leaders accept their brokenness. There's nothing worse than a person that lacks self-awareness. I've made so many mistakes in ministry, it's not even funny. I, I don't bring greatness to any role because I'm a broken person. But I try to lead from that place of brokenness. I try to learn the lessons I need to learn in the midst of that. And the greatest leaders accept where their faults are, accept what they're not good at. Not every leader is good at everything. But finding people that are good at those things and allowing them to lead is actually leading from a place of brokenness. The best leaders are the ones that have willing hearts, not the greatest talent. There is a, an exceptional book that all of you should read. It's called The Tortoise and the Hare. But that book is not lost on any of us. Is that the one that is the most talented is not always the one that wins. Hard work often overcomes talent time and time and time again because the tortoise has a willing heart where the rabbit has just relied their whole life on how talented they are. Those that work the hardest, those that have willing hearts are the ones that tend to succeed. As we change gears, as we shift gears a little bit here, church leaders are servant leaders. The Bible talks about leadership a lot. In fact, one of the things that it tells us is simply this. You see, the world tells you that the higher you go, the better leader you are. The church tells us the more we become like Christ, the better leaders we are. The more that we pour our lives out, the more that we serve, the greater we are as leaders. It's not about titles. It is about, it is about how we follow Christ. In fact, church leadership is the lowest leadership on earth that's why when i went to april and said i got this great great class she said hey somebody else has got that spot and guess what you're lower on the totem pole than them and so you get the 6 a.m spot because that's how it works servant leadership the bible talks about this in first timothy chapter three if you look at our website and we talk about leaders this is on there. This is a premise, and uh, this is out of the Message Bible, so it's written a little differently, but I really like the concept of what is being said here because I want us to hear what, what, this, what they're really saying in the midst of this. It says, if anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good, but there's some preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about. Not be overfond of wine. So half of you are out right there, right? Not pushy, but gentle. Not thin-skinned. 
not money hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. Isn't it amazing that church leadership is tied to parenting? For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? Must not be a new believer, lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. Outsiders must think well of him. Or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. The same goes for you who want to be servants. The word we've traditionally used here is the word deacon or minister. Who want to be servants in the church. Serious, not deceitful. Not too free with the bottle. There it is again. I don't know how much of a problem this is to the people he's talking to, but apparently it's a big deal. Not in it for what they can get out of it. They must be reverent before the mystery of the faith. Not using their position to try to run things. Let them prove themselves first. And if they can do it, take them on. No exceptions are made for women. Same qualifications. Serious, dependable, not sharp-tongued, not over-fond of wine. There it is again. Servants in the church are to be committed to their spouses, attentive to their own children, and diligent in looking after their own affairs. As we said in the beginning, parenting is a training ground for leadership. Isn't it amazing that in all three of these cases it says, you look at these, look at these people's children. Have they raised their kids to be great believers, to be great warriors of Christ? Because that's going to tell you everything about who they are and what kind of people they are. Start with the small circles, their wife, their family, their husbands. Then move to their workplaces. Then move to their friends. Just move all the way. Then people who don't even have faith, how do those people think about these people? That's why parenting also matters. It's a big deal, according to Paul, when he writes this for the church. One thing we need to learn is this. Church leadership is down, not up. We get confused about that. Because we think that wearing a title means we're up here. And God has to remind us all, no, 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 no. Being like Christ is down. A few simple rules. We're, we're going 80 miles an hour through this sermon, so we're almost done. It's actually really good. Rule number one is this. Leaders are good followers of Christ. If you want to lead your kids, your marriage, your friends, be a good follower of Christ first. It is the single most important thing you can do in your life is to be a Christ follower. When Jesus calls his disciples, he doesn't say, hey, come and lead with me. What does he say? Come follow me. Come learn from me. Come sit with me for a while. And yes, we're going to do a lot of cool things. We're gonna, you're going to see some miracles, and I'm going to do some teaching, and it's going to be amazing. But leaders are good followers first. And they're especially good followers of Christ. The greatest quality of a leader is how well they follow. That's what Paul seems to think. And that's what he shares in this text. The second rule of leadership is this. Lead yourself. We live in a world that, that constantly wants to point the finger. We live in a world that it's always about somebody else. And Paul tells everybody time and time again, and other writers say it too, lead yourself. Worry about you. We talked about this last week in our marriage stuff. Worry about you. Stop worrying about your spouse. Stop worrying about everything else. Be the best you. Worry about you. Lead your own life as best you can. And when the book of Ephesians is written, Ephesians 6, the first four verses, yes, there are some words for children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Because this is right. 
honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment that comes with a promise, but with a blessing, so that it will go well with you and you will have and enjoy a long life. So there is a place, parents, listen, you got to, I mean, kids, you got to listen to your parents. you got to be obedient. This is the place. But then he goes on in verse 4, parents or fathers or mothers or both, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Your Bible might say in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's, there's both sides. Kids, do your part. Listen to your parents. Parents, create an environment where your kids can learn. You don't abuse them. You don't just do one, one type of thing. You try to meet them where they are, and you, you lead them, and you guide them from that place. This is a heavy call out of the book of Ephesians, which leads me to kind of the third rule, and that is lead from where you are. Sometimes we think, I'm going to be a better leader when I get a different role or when I get a different title. You know, when I get that promotion and I get that, tie, that, 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 that you know, word before or after my name or whatever it is, then I'll be a good leader. I love what he talks about with church leadership. You lead from where you are. If you're in a home right now, that's where you lead. If you're in a job, that's where you lead. If you're in friendships, that's where you lead. You lead from whenever you are. And let God put you where you need to be in his time. I, I ran across this thing on the internet because um, that's where all critical uh, you know, research is done these days. But I did find this. Um, that I thought was really, really good. It was just a succinct way. As we talk about leaders in the Bible, it gives a list of uh, 12 leaders. And I just want you to hear what it says about them. It says, Noah, leaders do what's right even when they are alone. Abraham, leaders embrace the unknown. Joseph, leaders endure in spite of circumstances. Moses, Leaders stick up for their people. Joshua, leaders rule by example rather than command. David, leaders are not afraid of giants. Isaiah, leaders rise to the occasion. Daniel, leaders maintain their resolve without regard for consequences. John the Baptist, leaders aren't afraid to call out the phonies. Jesus, Leaders are servants. Peter, leaders recover from failure. And Paul, leaders are passionate for what they believe in. There's so many stories in Scripture about leaders and about leadership. And as I was kind of preparing this this week, I thought about leaders in my own story. Obviously, my mom and dad raised me to have faith. They were, they were very instrumental, and that's where all of your kids are going to learn about Jesus is in the home. Yes, we teach them here in Journey Kids and Journey Students and all those places, but they are going to learn about Jesus and what it means to love Jesus from you, not from a class. They're going to learn about how to love Jesus from you, not even from reading their Bible. My mom and dad were very instrumental. My dad helped me kind of learn how to speak in front of people. My mom, you've heard me talk about this, was a hospice counselor for many years, and so she would take me up to the, the hospice wing where people had hours or days or maybe weeks to live, and she taught me valuable lessons there. I had a youth pastor when I was, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, 12 to, to 18, who was incredibly instrumental in opening my eyes about what it meant to be young in faith 
and gave me kind of some hints about what a ministry life would look like. The irony, unfortunately, is he is no longer a believer. Amazing. I don't know if you know this, and maybe some of you do, just we've known each other a while. Uh, when, I, when, when I was growing up, um, I had a really, really bad speech impediment. I had a very, a very bad lisp. It was, and I know a lot of people struggle with that. Um, also, I'm also very kind of partially deaf. Uh, I don't wear my hearing aids because between the mask and this thing and everything, it's like, you know, it's, it's like scaffolding on my face. So I try not to do that. But the reality is I, I didn't pronounce words well either because I pronounced them the way that I heard them, but the way that I heard them was not the same way that you heard them. Uh, I got told that I did not have the ability. I had a good IQ, but that, that I, really, I, I really couldn't function in a normal world because I didn't learn the same way that everybody else learns. And I was 17, 16 or 17 years old. I went to a, to a counselor, one of these guidance counselors, to help me. And she basically said my best shot in life was to go and learn a trade because I'd never succeed at university. Now, she still led me in that moment. Or, or pastors that I've worked with or worked for, some have taught me good things, some have taught me what not to do. There are people in our story and in our lives that have served as leaders to, to kind of help us become the people that God is calling us to, do, to, to be. I have two sisters. You, you, you maybe have heard me uh, talking about them. Uh, Lucy, Fur, and Jezebel. Um, not their actual names. Uh, my oldest sister, the one on the far left, uh, she and I both had a problem with lisping. She kind of got over hers uh, really, really quickly. And I spent a lot of my elementary school years in speech therapy because I couldn't pronounce words properly. Now, uh, okay, so anytime I go home, because we're, we're just a hateful family. I'm just going to tell you that. We always make fun of each other and kind of what we've overcome as, as life has happened. Well, I had a very bad, bad lisp, and for years that was just part of my, of my story. And if you're part of a family, part of your job is to make fun of whatever impediments anybody else in the family has. And so there was this book we had to read, which was the bane of my existence, called Sammy the Seal. And the, the, little, the little line that you had to say was, Sammy Seal sits on the end of a saucer. Okay, I can do it quite well right now. But I used to be like, Sammy Seal sits on the end of a saucer, okay? So you sit in speech, say, Sammy, Sammy, Seal, Seal, sits on the end of a saucer, sits on the end of a saucer, you know? And, and this was my life for like five, I have some PTSD about this, okay? But I can say it now, and I'm proud of that. But let me tell you why it matters. And my sister knows who she is, because she needs to, you know, she made fun of me for years, still to, she needs to repent, come to Jesus, because, you know, it's, it's really bad. But I will, tell, I will tell you this, I will tell you this. This is what I've learned. The enemy tried to put obstacles down. Say, you'll never achieve because you don't know how to learn. And, and on top of that, you don't know how to speak. And God said, you're my guy. Because I'll take what you hate most about yourself, and I'll use that for the glory of the kingdom. That's the power that leaders have in our lives. And it's not because my words are perfect or because I understand everything. But generally, the things that you despise about yourself is the thing that God's going to use the most. That, that was true for Moses. He's standing at the burning bush, and God says, I want you to go to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh so my people will be released. And he goes, I'm not a good speaker. And God says, yeah, I know. That's kind of why I'm choosing you. 
so when you are articulate, nobody's going to be confused and think it's you. They're going to know it's me. And when we release whatever is wounded in our lives, God is able to use that for the glory of the kingdom. Need I remind us all that the greatest thing that Jesus did with his disciples was not the miracles, was not the teaching. The Bible tells us the greatest thing that he as a leader gave them is that he was with them. As a leader, we need to learn to be with people, to walk with people. You know, Haley and I are pretty strict parents. I'm going to admit that. We want our kids to behave. We want our kids to, to, to do well. We want them to succeed in life. We want them to love Jesus. The funny thing about it is this. You ever have those weeks, those, those days where you wake up and it's just a bad day all around and work's awful and then you come home and, and dinner doesn't come together and your kids are yelling and screaming and crying when they go to bed. You have those days? You have those days? And you, and you look at your spouse and you're mad at each other or you're like, what are we doing wrong? What's happening here? Kids are amazing because they wake up the next day with amnesia. They never remember what happened the night before. They wake up and they're like, I'm good to go. We asked our kids, do you think mommy and daddy are strict? And they were like, no. I'm like, are you paying attention to what we're doing here? They don't see it that way. Because they know that mommy and daddy love them and feed them and kiss them goodnight and are there with them all the time. And that's the framework that they see. As a parent, I see how I'm getting on to them, how I'm yelling at them. I'm, that's what I see. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's the same thing. We think we're just, we're just missing it. And God's like, you're closer than you think. Which leads us to, don't try to be perfect. I think as parents, we try sometimes to just be perfect. Instead of being perfect, be intentional. Be intentional with your children. You're not going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to do something and it's really not going to work and you're going to have to say, you know what, we got to do something else. But when our families know that we are with them, it gives us space to lead them. Most of the time where we don't even see for ourselves. And the same is true with our relationship with God as leaders. Stop trying to be perfect. That doesn't mean we just, you know, throw it all away. But be the best you that you can be. Because God wants us to know that we are loved. He wants us to know that we're His. He wants us to know that if we are just willing to follow, He will lead us. And over time, He will teach us to be. We've kind of ended every sermon with sort of similar, similar notions. You know, if you want your home to be better, be the change, be the blessing, be the difference. You're going to impact your children's lives. You're going to impact the people that you work with. You're going to impact your marriage by being the change that you want to see in others. By stepping into that place and being a blessing wherever you are. We're going to talk, we're going to sing a song here in just a second called The Blessing. It's a great song. It's one of the, one of the, one of the awesome songs that churches are singing right now. And it has very little to do with ability. It has to do with share with your children, share with your family, create blessing in your life as you follow Jesus. Just allow it to cascade down in your life. Be intentional about who you are. Stop worrying about the leader that you think you should be and just be a great follower and God will put you where you need to be in the right time.
God will use brokenness. God will use emptiness. God will use frustration. God will use the worst thing in your life right now to make the best thing happen and and to help you lead others to Christ, to know him because of that. That's the word that we need to hear. Leadership is not about being at the top. It's about being like Christ and pouring our lives out in the people around us. And God will do powerful things. As I tell my staff, God does things in us and through us, but I think mostly in spite of us. That's what it means to be a leader. That's what it means to be a friend. May there be a word of hope for you today. Father, today as we talk about blessing, as we just reflect on how short life is, as we as we kind of think about the ways in which we, we feel like we fail in our families, in our homes, with our kids, every single day, God, would you just create eyes of redemption? Would you help us to see where you are calling us? And help us to stop being obsessed with how important we are. Help us to find ways to be better followers. God, we know as we look at the example of of Jesus, there were not moments where he puffed his chest out. There were moments that he, he took the high road, that he gave himself up, that he sacrificed himself. God, may we just be great followers and allow his story to lead us and our story. Thank you for inviting us into this place. Bless our families, our marriages, our kids. Help us to find you and be the leaders that you've called us to be. We we offer this time to you. We thank you for leading us. It's in his name that we stand.